2: You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're
3: live, but we gotta let it breathe just for a second. You all know the drill. Gotta bring it on Facebook. Make sure we're all on the same page. One big happy MHH family. And we are... Good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him, You love him. Zach Kelberman is his name. And Zach, we uh, are planning on talking quite a bit about Vic Fangio's remarks uh, today at the virtual podium. But before we get into all that, not long before we went live here this evening, the news broke on the Pro Bowl. And it turns out that Hashtag Pro Bowls ended up being kind of um, you know accolatus interruptus. It didn't happen. Garrett Bowles was not voted to the Pro Bowl. However, the silver lining: Justin Simmons gets his first Pro Bowl. Bradley Chubb, which actually surprised me quite a bit. Zach, your exactly. your reaction to how the Pro Bowl shook out for the Broncos? I hope
4: BNS is listening right now. I'm going to say a sentence I never thought would come out of my mouth. Garrett Bowles was snubbed from the Pro Bowl. And I know I'm waiting for, you know, the the uh, the Armageddon to come down right now, Chad. You know, the Lotuses and all that and the pandemic to rise. But he really did play well this year. And I believe the Pro Bowl tackles are Eric Fisher from Kansas City, no surprise there, and Orlando Brown from Baltimore. And if you watch that Baltimore offense, they weren't that good this year. I would venture to say Garrett Bowles was much better than Orlando Brown. Terrific season for Garrett Bowles, though. Uh, Pro Bowl notwithstanding, he earned his contract. I'm happy for Simmons. I think he had a Pro Bowl caliber campaign. Is he the best safety in the league? I'm I'm not sold on that yet, but I think he came around the last couple of weeks. Bradley Chubb, I didn't get to see who are the outside linebackers, who are the edge guys joining him because I, I, he had a good
3: season, but Pro Bowl, that surprised me. I'll pull it up, but just real quick, as far as AFC goes, there is no – Left tackle or offensive tackle, period, graded higher than Garrett Bowles, according to Pro Football Focus. He's currently the third highest graded tackle, and the only two ahead of him are NFC guys, David Bakhtiari and Trent Williams. You got to go down to the next spot, which is oh no, that's that's NFC as well. Let me keep going here. Uh, Cleveland, Jack Conklin, is the next highest graded tackle at number eight, followed by Michael Onwenu and Isaiah Wynn and so. Yeah, I mean, in terms – this is all about cachet, right? This is about your team did well, and so who right. are the left tackles for these premier quarterbacks? That's who's getting in, basically. So, Exactly. It's like Garrett Bowles is going to kind of have to follow a similar path, probably, as as Justin Simmons in that, you know, you have the kind of the breakout year that surprises everybody, and it's really, really good, and it's top of the line, but it's not like blow the doors down, absolutely just, you know, setting the world on fire. And so all this cachet that he's built up this year, it'll end up paying it forward next year. And even if he has a more closer to the mean or even slightly average or slightly above average season, let's say, he'll make the Pro Bowl because everyone was thinking, man, that dude was really good. But we had to get these other guys in there ahead of him because, hey, man, Patrick Mahomes, blindside guy, you know, Lamar Jackson, blindside guy, so on and so forth.
4: Yeah, you're spot on with that. If, if Drew Locke was way more of a household name or the Broncos had a winning record, Bowles would have had a chance. It's all a popularity contest. It's all a, a clout contest, and it always has been. But the Broncos and the fan base should be happy that Garrett Bowles developed into that franchise left tackle. It took him a few years, but this year was a revelation. He was a completely different player. He earned that contract, and since he got that contract, my one fear was his play would fall off after getting paid. That hasn't happened. He's been consistent. He's been reliable. I'm eating a lot of crow on Garrett Bowles this year. He's
3: been great for the Broncos. All right, let's just take a quick look. Uh, This is the first time I have looked at the entire list. So here's the AFC quarterbacks, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, in that order. Uh, Derek Henry are the backs, followed by Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs, all very, very deserving. Uh, wide receivers, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown. Mm. Mm. That's, okay. Yeah. Your thoughts on that? Uh, Keenan Allen?
4: I mean, I don't know his – I know he's kind of balling out with Justin Herbert. Uh, A.J. Brown, he's doing pretty well, but – I don't know. I I could think of some other receivers that I'd take over those guys. Uh, I'm not sure Keenan
3: Allen's stats, but I wasn't aware that he's having a you know a monster season. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm gonna take a look real quick here at Pro Football Reference, and Keenan Allen is currently third in terms of receptions. It goes Stephon Diggs, Andre uh, DeAndre Hopkins, excuse me, and then Keenan Allen. Uh, is sitting right now with two games left to go, over 100 receptions, 992 yards, though. So he's averaging, exactly yeah. less than 10 yards per yeah. catch. But he does have eight touchdowns. So, you know, I would say it's a Pro Bowl alternate type of season, but this is more of right. another cachet type of type of nod. I, I think it's it's a quantity
4: thing, too, not necessarily a quality thing. So he has 100 catches, but those 100 catches have gone for less than 1,000 yards and less than 10 touchdowns on the season. I don't know. I mean, he's been a Pro Bowler before, and like we've been mentioning, it's all a popularity contest. If you have that name recognition, like Von Miller last year, you're going to get in.
3: Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller are the tight ends. Fullback, surprisingly, I thought it was going to end up being Andy Janovich, but it's Patrick <laughs> Ricard. Uh, tackles, as you can see here. Laramie Tunsil, Eric Fisher, Orlando Brown. So Deshaun Watson, all, well, two of the – well, no. I, I guess Lamar didn't make it, so – only one of the Pro Bowl quarterbacks got his his left tackle in. But still, the two other guys that did get in, the Texans and Ravens, two of the more premier star quarterbacks in the league. And then guards, Quentin Nelson, shocker, Joel Batonio of the Browns, David DeCastro of the Steelers, the centers, Marquise Pouncey, Ryan Kelly. And that's offense, Zach. And we weren't really exp- – I think the only guy who really had a shot when this season started, or like a genuine shot at the Pro Bowl, even if Drew Locke was like – You know, let's just say slightly above average quarterback throughout the season. Like, you know, just like a Ryan Tannehill of Miami Dolphins days level production at the quarterback position. Honestly, once Cortland went down, I think Noah Fant, besides Garrett Bowles, was really the only guy that had a shot at the maybe, maybe Dalton Reisner. But he hasn't been that good, Zach. He's improved down the stretch, but Dalton Reisner got off to a very rocky start.
4: He did. And how much does it hurt that Noah Fant, he might have had a good season, but the two Pro Bowl tight ends are coming out of the AFC West. It's really just an unfortunate situation for someone like Noah Fant. If he was in a better offense or with a more consistent quarterback and consistent coaching staff, he'd be a perennial Travis Kelsey type. I fully believe that. The only thing about Laramie Tunsil is if you watch a Texans game, Deshaun Watson is always running for his life. I don't have the sack numbers in front of me, but it seems like they're always surrendering pressure. So I don't understand how you watch Larry Tunsil or the Houston offense versus watching Garrett Bowles and how he's protected lock. The Denver offense hasn't looked good, but the one constant, the one positive every week for the most part
3: has been Garrett Bowles. I think he was a big time snub, Chad, big time. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's been, he has played at an elite level. I haven't checked PFF. I can check it here in a minute, but going into last week, he wasn't credited with giving up a single sack. But as I said on, it was either the rapid reaction or the gut reaction podcast on Saturday, that sack, which was a coverage sack in which Locke dropped back, hit the, hit hit his back foot, burped the baby for a second, had to climb the pocket. And as he's about to completely clear the pocket, uh, Mario Addison gets him from behind. And that was being blocked by Garrett Bowles. So I was, I said that then that I'd be surprised if that didn't get credited to Garrett Bowles in terms of pass blocking, but We'll see real quick, Zach, before we, we got to, we'll, we'll go through the defense real quick. We'll get to your questions. We'll talk about Fangio. Uh, first though, we do have to go through a couple of quick matters of business, starting with the sponsor of tonight's live stream pod, sports gambling is legal now in Colorado. You guys know this, but here is what makes sports the no brainer destination for sports fans, sharp odds, low juice. They got their own in-house bookmakers, Not a third-party provider of odds. They do it themselves, and that results in reduced juice, best prices for you, hassle-free bonuses, which you can roll over after one time, as opposed to some of the competition out there online. you got to bet it five to 30 times before you can roll it over or access it. And then 24-7 live customer support, and it's always a real person in the U.S. of A., but the kicker is this, gang. At sportsbetting.com right now, you can get a 100% Risk-free week is sports betting up to $1,000, and it's not just one bet. It's all of your bets, and the way it works is you hop on, you go to sportsbetting.com slash huddle. you make your picks, you make your bets for the week. If your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com covers those losses 100% up to the difference, up to $1,000, and you can roll it over after one time. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash huddle sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to a thousand dollars All right, really fast. Um, and I'm, I'm going to just remind everyone connect with us on Twitter at huddle up pod and at mile high huddle gentle reminder to head on over to the merch store and get your swag on, get a hat, get a t-shirt, get a face mask A mug hoodie, just another way like Zach's rocking it there. It's just another way to support what we're doing here. And uh, at, at MHH and then also we want to tip our cap to our Facebook supporters. We love you guys. We have some huge plans for you starting in January. If you're one of our Facebook community, would like to support what we're doing here. Get behind MHH. Just click on the uh, the big blue button on our page. It says become a supporter. You can even do it now as you're watching this live at the bottom there, where you would type in your comment, there's an option to do it there too. So, two other ways that you can support what we're doing here. And if you're not in a position to patronize the merch store or become a supporter or be a super chat superstar, we're just stoked to have you in the stream with us or listening after the fact, but do these three, uh, these three things is what we ask each and every listener subscribe. Number one, like this video, number two, crucial on YouTube, crucial on Facebook. And then the third thing is share it out there. That's the litmus test for Zach and I to know if we're doing a good job. And if you think we are share this video, and help us continue to grow and reach new Broncos fans just like
2: you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
3: Find
0: your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site
1: Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit.
3: Yikes, that was ugly, Broncos country but let me tell you something that might help improve your mood. Coors Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer rooted in Coors long history of sustainability is a brand inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Coors Hard Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Never before has it been so easy to make a difference in the world. Whatever you're doing by simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering. Our waterways gang are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up, but through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Here's how it works: each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. The results: one billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River, and that's just year one. Four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in, gang. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV. And Zach, it's only 90 calories.
4: Chad, I like all the flavors, but personally, I had the lemon lime with me uh, today, and nothing takes the sting off quite like a Coors Hard Seltzer. It's my go-to for football season, non-football season. But after a tough Broncos loss, Chad, it definitely goes down a little better.
3: So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply Crack and open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It is that simple. So visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831, 2021 Coors will purchase services from Change
4: the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com.
3: Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Zach, real quick, I want to go back to, and then we'll get to the chat. Um, I want to go back to this Pro Bowl roster and just eyeball the defense real quick on the AFC side. So defensive end, Miles Garrett, Joey Bosa, Frank Clark, defensive tackle, Chris Jones, Cameron Hayward, Calais Campbell. You know, I think if Shelby doesn't have to miss a month, there's a shot he could have been one of those DTs maybe cuz he he would have any defensive tackle. You know, they got it, to it's very rarely the big beefy run stuffers, the elite run cloggers of the NFL. It's usually the guys who affect the passing game, you know, as as pass rushers. And uh, Chris Jones, Cameron Hayward, Calais Campbell, enough said to bolster that argument. And Shelby was on his way, but those four yeah. those four missed games, Zach, really crushed him.
4: Also the Broncos record, of course. I mean, those guys are either notable players or they're playing for a contending teams. Shelby Harris is still very much a local name to Broncos fans and Broncos media, but, uh, you know, a Pro Bowl would have helped his case out for a long-term contract and the hashtag pay Shelby movement for sure.
3: At the rush linebacker position, of course, Bradley Chubb as well as T.J. Watt, Matt Juden, that rounds out the trio. So kind of surprised to see wow. Matt Judon, but all right. Uh, off-ball linebacker Zach, Darius Leonard, Tremaine Edmonds, and then the corners. I know some Broncos fans felt like Bryce Callahan got snubbed, Xavier Howard, Tredavious White, two very deserving players, Marlon Humphrey, also very deserving, and Stephon Gilmore. You know, the thing to keep in mind with, with Callahan is – I'm pretty sure there's a loophole, Zach. I'm not, I'm like 99% sure. I was going to, I spent a second researching it right before we had to go live. But I think if you're on injured reserve, even this year's version of IR where you can come off after three weeks, I, I don't think you can be eligible for the Pro Bowl.
4: Yeah, but what's interesting now is Stephon Gilmore is hurt, and he might miss the rest of the season. So if Bryce Callahan gets healthy, he might be the injury replacement. So any Broncos fan holding out hope for Callahan to make it, don't give up hope yet. And I'm with you guys. I understand you guys are calling it a snub. It's not really a snub for the reason that Chad just explained. He's on IR. He's not eligible. But we all know he had a Pro Bowl, if not all pro season, this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, we can go back and look at the PFF stats to show you where Callahan stands. I mean, he was – he. You know, the the advanced analytics in those grades meet the eye test and meet the production right. as well right. if you watch the film. Safety, your Justin Simmons is in, along with Mika uh, Fitzpatrick. The strong safety is Teron Matthew, the honey badger. And then your specialists are long snapper Morgan Cox of the Ravens, punter Jake Bailey of the Patriots, and then Justin Tucker, the kicker, of uh, the Ravens and then Andre Roberts, Matthew Slater. I thought there would maybe be a shot that Deontay Spencer, you know, maybe a wild hair, but that touchdown came a little too late in the season.
4: I thought of another Broncos snub real quick, Chad. Taylor yeah. Russolino for kicker. How, <laughs> did, how did he not make it? That's that's shocking to me. No, no all seriousness though. There's no real quick. There's no coincidence that the, the chief's record is, is this good this year while the offense hasn't been as explosive. They have two pro bowlers and Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew. So that defense has gotten better. And even though the Pro Bowl is a popularity contest, those two selections kind of signify they are a much more well-rounded team than they were last year,
3: and that's pretty scary going forward. Man, Jerry Judy is eating his heart out right now because Justin Jefferson made the Pro Bowl. Not only is he dominating the stats in terms of not just rookie receivers but all receivers, um, I'll go back and look at this, but he made the Pro Bowl. And I'm looking here Justin Jefferson in terms of receptions. I'm just going to eyeball this real quick. He's 21st, but let's look at, let's look at yards and see. Yeah, he's over, he's well over a thousand. So Jefferson's eighth in yards and middle of the pack, I think in touchdowns, he's got seven. So anyway, but congratulations to him. And I'll be honest yeah. with you, man. I slept on him a little. He wasn't one of my favorite guys in this draft. Me too.
4: Yeah. I, I wanted rugs or I wanted CD lamb, Jerry, Judy, Justin Jefferson was always a distant fourth option, you know, among those uh, big three receivers. But credit, you know what, to Gary Kubiak in Minnesota, hes if you watch a Vikings game, it's not always pretty, but he's finding a way to get the ball in Jefferson's hands, and I kind of wish the Broncos had a coach with that kind of mentality.
3: I'm surprised on this one here, Zach, that uh, TJ Hawkinson made the Pro Bowl, and he's had a solid season. But would you say it was Pro Bowl caliber considering the, the competition in the NFC? I have him on my
4: MHH fantasy team, and I can tell you that he's pretty consistent every week. And that he you know, he gets no shine because he's in that Lions offense. The Lions are such a dumpster fire, but he really has been solid this
3: year. Not exactly Travis Kelsey, but just consistent and reliable. I'm a fan of his. So he was my favorite tight end, man. I was really pining for him, especially at the combine that year watching yeah. him. You and I were there. He's, he's up there boobing on the podium. And I don't mean that in any demeaning way. Like he was tearing up as soon as he got asked about his, his college coach, uh, Coach Ferentz Man, it was Niagara Falls. And uh, you just saw how much football meant to him and how important the relationships he's got in football are. And then one of the things I've since, you know, um, I guess forgotten about this and, you know, dismissed it, but then Noah Fant gets up and he's very uh, cool customer you know, the coolest guy he knows. I'm going to be the first tight end off the board, et cetera, et cetera. Just kind of very different um, outward facing postures. And it ended up being TJ who got that first, uh, was the first tight end off the board followed by fam But let me tell you, here's uh, here's really quick. Uh, I can't show it on the screen together, but I'm just going to, so I'm going to read this to you. Here's TJ's numbers. Ready? 60 receptions on 92 targets up to this point, 675 yards and six. 6- touchdowns. Let's take a look at Noah. Noah Fant has 78 receptions. And remember, he missed one and a half games, two games. He's missed two games. So 78 targets. Um, well, it shows actually 12 starts. So what are we at? We're at nine and five and nine. So we're at, well, there's only two left. So 14 games. He's been in 13. Only one of those though, Um, or I should say one of those 13 games, Zach, he only played half of a quarter, and that was the the Panthers game. But anyway, 78 targets, 52 receptions, 560 yards, three touchdowns. No offense, if this offensive coordinator knew what he was doing, would be in the Pro Bowl. I mean, he was just underutilized for most of the season. But let me just roll through this one more time. T.J. Hawkinson, Evan uh, Evan Ingram. How did Evan Ingram make the Pro Bowl? How? There's no other tight end in the NFC
4: that's an option. I didn't think he was that good this year. Let's see what his stats are. I love Real how he quick.
3: gets better though after Pat Shermer leaves. I'm just saying. Uh, his stats on the year: 54 catches, 572, and one score. How no offense numbers. Yeah. So, um, all right, last last little run through here. Um, t- fullback Kyle, uh, the 49ers guy. How do you say Kyle? juice, juice check. check? Juice check. Uh, David Bakhtiari, the tackle, Trent Williams, Taron Armstead. So the top two rated guys at PFF made the Pro Bowl, but not bowls. What the the Mm. frick? Um, And then guards, Brandon Scherf, uh, Elton Jenkins, Andrus Pete, Jason Kelsey, the center, Frank Ragno, the center, and then defense. I'm just seeing if anyone jumps out here. Chase Young made it good for him, man. Made the the Pro Bowl. He is a beast. Um, Brandon Graham, as well as Cameron Jordan, Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox, Grady Jarrett. Good for Grady. I'm glad to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Khalil Mack, Zadarius Smith. Name recognition it's- for Mack. I don't think he's having a big year. Agreed. And it, it's his. if you compare him, it's actually similar to Bradley Chubb, at least the last time i looked. Mm-hmm. And so kind of, you know, in both cases, you're like, really? They made the Pro Bowl? But still super stoked for Bradley because, Zach, I don't know if you saw this. Let's get off this. I mean, it's it's the NFC, Fred Warner. Good for him Bobby Wagner Jalen Ramsey JPP though and
4: not Shaq Barrett from Tampa that was kind True. of a
3: flash in the pan last year indeed but Zach did you I don't know if you had a chance because uh it's evening and <clears throat> you know I know you're uh you're a gym rat you got your nightly ritual but Bradley <laughs> Chubbs press conference as soon as the the announcement came the Broncos put Chubb and Simmons up on in consecutive order on press conferences and Chubb I got choked up a little bit because of how emotional he was. Dude, from about the second question in, he could not speak without literally not just breaking voice, but like openly weeping. And I I didn't feel bad for him. I just felt like it was such a special moment, what it meant to him to get that accolade. And he even admitted he was a little bit surprised that he got it, but to get it after missing all basically of his second year and fighting back through all that, you know, rehab and stuff. And then to have the setback with his knee member in training camp, he mm-hmm. tweaked it and they had to basically pull him out for a week and a half. And then to start slow and not have Vaughn and the team struggle and the, just the crapshoot that's been 2020, it was such a triumphant moment for him. I was so happy. I don't think I've ever been that happy for a Bronco to get the Pro Bowl, including for Phillips.
4: And it was very sincere. You can tell he wasn't putting that on for the, you know, the, the crocodile tears. He wasn't putting it on for the sympathy or for the cloud on social media. This meant a lot to him. And, and Bradley Chubb, he's really stepped up as a leader this year, not just a leader at outside linebacker, for, but for the defense. And you saw it on Sunday when Shelby Harris and Bradley Chubb were jawing, and going at each other. He was the one they decided to hug it out. They decided to, you know, bury the hatchet and they're all on the same team. And it's just leadership. It's growth he comes in, comes into the NFL 5th overall pick kind of you know controversial pick given the Josh Allen storylines he almost sets the rookie sack record he's phenomenal out opposite Von Miller he goes down next year comes back a complete question mark, Chad. We don't know how he's going to be. We don't know how he's going to recover, if he's the Bradley Chubb of old, if he's never going to come back the same again. And he is right back to being the the 2018 version of Chubb that we all known to love. Explosive, good against the run, good against the locker room, good against in, in pass rushing situations, obviously. Just a complete, tremendous player, and he's been through so much adversity, and I'm right there with you. I'm very happy for him.
0: This is the Overtime
2: Podcast Network.
3: Okay, John. I'm not sure the order. I can pull it up on my end so that uh, we can have a, a good look at it here. But whatever supers that have been waiting patiently, let's get them up there. Darville says on YouTube, Panthers fired their GM, so John Elway is no different. He needs to be fired. The team needs to be sold. I get. I feel you. I feel why you, you know, why you have that perspective. But John Elway's not getting fired, gang. And uh, everything I've heard, like I floated the that idea, Zach, of John Elway. Kind of stepping down from, or stepping back, I should say, from being the frontline GM and just kind of being that team president, bringing someone in to do the day to day grind, hire a GM to work in tandem with Fangio. And from what I'm hearing, it's not happening. It's just, you know, it's going to be business as usual in terms of GM head coach. Fangio's not going anywhere, from what I'm hearing as well, Zach. So just, you know, for now, exercise that demon out of your soul because you're not going to get it. It's we got to talk about what's in the realm of the of the possible. And that's right. something Benjamin Franklin once said, politics is the art of the possible, right? And kind of true in this situation too, John Elway's not getting fired.
4: And the, the big difference in Carolina and Denver is that Carolina has a very active and I would almost say meddlesome owner in David Tepper. And he's has full autonomy and full control, obviously, and he can fire the GM Uh, The Broncos don't have that. You know, Joe Ellis, maintains the trust, but he's not firing Elway. Elway's not firing himself. He's not stepping down. He's going to ride it out and collect his paycheck and try to leave the Broncos possibly next year better than they found him with on top or ascending with the quarterback because, again, like we said yesterday, it reflects on him. And Elway, personally and professionally, he's way too prideful to uh, step down at this juncture, Chad.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's just not going to happen, guys. C, good to see you, my friend, one of our superstars. He says, sorry I missed the pod, pretty upset with the last game. We feel you, man. It was very disappointing. I think every Broncos fan, is as frustrated as everyone is about losing, can live with a loss. But, it, you know, when when you're b- not only blown out, but when the team quite evidently, at least on one side of the ball, just gives up. I mean, I'll say it on both sides because, Zach, when Drew Lock gets strip sacked and Jerry Hughes scoops that up, Again, Keystone Cops. I get it. That offensive line, they're not defensive tackles. They don't tackle every day. You know, the tight end's not a linebacker. The receivers aren't corners. But you are football players. I mean, Jerry Judy, the game prior, he he makes that shoestring tackle, goes 80 yards almost, to bring down the big fella, shows the effort. He wasn't quitting that day. But it felt like the offense kind of threw in the towel there. And then later, the defense, of course, uh, in more ways than one. And that's what made, I think, it's all the – you know, most more distasteful for fans.
4: Exactly. It wasn't that they lost. I mean, most of us expected the Broncos to lose this game against a, a championship uh, contender, if not favored in the Bills. And they, they, were Broncos were just shorthanded, but it wasn't that they lost. It was how they lost. And after the first half, it was like the wheels came off. They let up that kick return, the touchdown, and then they fumbled. And it was like, all right, we're done here. Let's pack up our things and go home. We can't win this game. And when you check out like that, it's a disservice to your teammates, to the fans, but also your coaching staff. And it shows that they had no respect, at least for that game, in Vic Fangio or his his, you know, his position as the Broncos coach. They were making business decisions out there not to tackle, Chad. And you know what? It's not the first time this season that we saw that. I think that is also a, a worry
3: going forward. It is. And as I said yesterday, it's one thing that's concerning about it, even though I don't think much is going to come of it this year. Is when you see a team evidently just quit like that on their head coach, it usually doesn't portend well for that coach's job security. Jonathan Chavez, good to see you, my friend. One of our superstars. Appreciate you, Jonathan. By the way, get on Twitter and follow us so that we can keep the conversation going and tag you after these podcasts, my friend. Uh, he says, "Happy holidays, guys, and to you as well." I'm tired of the emotional roller coaster of the fans. Um, though I love Denver country, we'd have. Thought I love Denver country. We'd never have a QB every two weeks if they were running the show. All right, though I love Denver Broncos country. We'd have a new quarterback every two weeks if they were running the show. Trust the process. A lot of truth to that. A lot of truth to that. I know. Uh, you know, it's one thing that frustrates me in media is that I see it in media as well. It's not just fans. Media. When anytime you're on the outside looking in, it's so much easier uh, to kind of roll with the roller coaster. All right but because there's no investment when you're inside the building and and you're the ones putting in the work and you're the ones, you know, making the plans and putting the, you know, the whole thing together, you got to have a much more, a much broader perspective. You can't live and die on every little uh, triumph and, and disappointment. And in the case of Drew Locke, you know, he's, he's done this, but it's all part of the process. Zach, you had a very nice quote yesterday. I can't remember exactly what I can't quote you perfectly, but I'll paraphrase what you said. And it was something to the effect of Drew's been up, Drew's been down, but he's kind of right where he need, he, he You kind of expect him to be still in the process.
4: Yes. And I, I hate to quote the Sixers, but you got to trust the process. And it's funny because the question posits that if, if fans were given the control, they'd have a quarterback every two weeks. Notice no one ever says a new offensive coordinator or coaching staff every two weeks. Why Locke gets a hundred percent of the blame when obviously it's not all on him. It's still baffling to me, but yeah, Uh, It's, it's frustrating. It's maddening. It's annoying, but that's the fickle nature of an NFL fan base. Whether you're a Jets fan, a Broncos fan, a Browns fan, a Kansas City fan, when they lose a game, guys, go, go look at their Twitter replies when the rare times Kansas City loses a game. They're calling for, you know, all these different things to happen. It's just an emotional game. People invest money and time and energy and they want results. And after five years, Chad, of no playoffs, it's like, it's cabin fever almost. And at the slightest little bit, it just, it sets it off.
3: True. This is the Overtime
2: Podcast Network.
0: Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site
3: Appreciate you, Kenneth. Good to see you, Kenneth, man. He rides shotgun every single yeah. podcast, and it's not just Huddle Up. It's all of the MHH livestream pods, contributing to the conversation. We appreciate you, my friend. He says, who is a surprise free agent signing if Denver makes a move? Dak Prescott.
4: <laughs> I'd love it. Um, no, I don't know. I have to look at the uh, – I don't know off the top of my head all the free agents. Sprock track, free agents. <laughs> I I said yesterday, I think uh, a prediction of mine for free agency is that the Broncos will start to take care of some of their own first before venturing out of house. So, you know, Shelby Harris, Simmons now, he made the Pro Bowl, you know,
3: maybe Phillip Lindsay. I don't know, an outside player, though. Um, So let me do a a quick share screen. And, Kenneth, you got to remember, bro, when when we're in the season, so I'm the publisher of of milehighhuddle.com, and I also cover – I'll say 50% of the news that comes out day to day and my eye is on the news and the current events covering the team, Zach deputy editor doing the same thing. We are focusing on the now. So that's why we have other guys on staff that complement the, what happens in the future questions like Eric and Nick and Carl and Luke and Lance that especially more draft oriented, but those guys are looking at who are, who are going to be the free agents. They're looking at the roster building stuff and for us, we don't really get the chance to breathe and start focusing on that stuff until the season ends and the news cycle kind of slows down. Then we can go, all right, let's see what's going on. But in the meantime, since he asked the question, let's take a look at what Spot Track lists because I think cornerback is the corner. I said, you know, defensive back corner is the if a if not the top priority for the Broncos next season. So this is twenty twenty one according to Spot Track, mm. Patrick Peterson. Uh, if you want to pay top dollar, but he's getting along in the tooth. Sherman, 33, DJ Hayden, Josh Norman, Logan Ryan. Uh, these are all UFAs. I don't, I don't want any of them, if we're being honest here. They're uh, all Jason kind of McCarty, watched. Brian Poole, Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, let me look at some of the middle 20 guys. You know, the guys just coming out of their rookie deal. So Mackenzie Alexander, Brian Poole. Uh, you could maybe say Kevin Johnson, but he's basically been a bust. Uh, definitely not Jimmy Smith. Xavier Rhodes, you know, he's 31 though. Masad um, Greenland, I mean that's maybe. Yeah, uh, Ronald Darby, mm, not Gary a lot. And, Gary and Conley. I'm looking here. This looks like it's a position, Zach, that the Broncos would probably be best off. Yes, looking drafting. at bringing in bringing in a veteran, someone that you can maybe replace AJ with and get by, but focusing on the draft and and the expectation that maybe a Michael OJ Moody can take a jump in in year two and that Bryce Callahan can play a fully healthy year.
4: I guess I wouldn't hate Patrick Peterson. I mean, he still has some gas left in the tank, but he's going to want so much money, and you're investing a lot. I mean, you paid Callahan. You you paid A.J. Boye if you keep him. You're going to pay Justin Simmons. I don't know. I, they look a lot you know, over-the-hill type players. I'd rather the Broncos, as usual, go younger and, and restock the cupboard and cheaper uh, through the draft.
3: So here's your quarterbacks just for uh, gigs here. Dak. Of course, number one, followed by Philip Rivers would be. I think, even though he's 39, I think he'd be one of those guys you would look at if he can, if he's willing to take literally backup money and come be a a mentor to Drew and a you know a legit failsafe. Otherwise, you're looking at the Jacoby Brissettes, the Mitchell Trubisky's, no, maybe no. Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe Tyrod hmm. Taylor or Terod. No. It's how he pronounces it. Andy Dalton maybe as a backup, but yes. uh, aside from Dak, obviously no one on this list is coming in to change the game. And Zach, let's face it, Dak ain't getting out of Dallas without uh, a long term deal.
4: (laughs) You know what? Yeah, I can't say, you know, it's a hundred percent, but he's probably staying there. And even if he doesn't, I I don't see Elway poning up $40 million a year for Dak Prescott, though, I mean god, you put a, a healthy dak on a healthy Broncos team. This is a, a 10, 11, 12 win team. I would not mind Andy Dalton. I mean not as a starter, but as a backup to Lock or a pinch starter who can come in and win some games. He's looking pretty good in Dallas right now. I mean he's he has some rhythm with that offense and you could do a lot worse for
3: 5, 6 million bucks for one year than have Dalton as your backup. I'm seeing a lot of comments in the stream from fans that Justin Simmons Neither Justin Simmons nor Bradley Chubb were deserving of the Pro Bowl and listen um, whatever your opinion on that is and as I said I was surprised at Chubb getting the nod I'm never gonna say he shouldn't have got it or doesn't deserve it because um, it means everything to these guys I mean if it, it translates to dollar dollar bills y'all you know, if you have a pro Bowl on your resume and whether you're negotiating with your current team or an outside team as an unrestricted free agent Zach, it buys you so much cachet and bargaining power and and credit and I mean it's a massive boon for these guys. You know, throw out the whole you know you got to stock uh, stack Pro Bowls to make it to the Hall of Fame. Throw that stuff out. I'm just talking about money, recognition from your peers, a you know, little sizzle, little limelight. Anytime it comes to one of your guys on the on the Denver Broncos, you do not look that gift horse in the mouth. No, and it's a good look
4: for the Broncos as well that they can have a Pro Bowler on defense that's not named Von Miller or not named Justin Simmons. And you can argue whether they were, um, you know, they deserve to be there, but there's a lot of players that didn't deserve to be there either. And Laramie Tunsels for one, Garrett Bowles should have been in there. You can argue about Bryce Callahan if he was healthy. It doesn't go as it should goes, but, but you know, they. You look at the vote. It's it's fans. It's coaches and its fellow players, and they all deem Bradley Chubb Pro Bowl worthy. And like you said, I'm very happy for him. What he's been through, the adversity coming back from that and playing for a team that's well well off the NFL map, he's been through a lot, and he's been – if you watch him, that's what people don't understand. They look at just the sack totals. If you watch Chubb this year, he's either been involved in so many sacks or led to so many sacks with his production, with his pass-rushing tenacity – I'm not going to take that away from him. I'm not going to say it wasn't deserved. He got in because he deserves to get in. Point
3: blank. Tom El Greco jumping in, one of our superstars up there north of the 49th parallel, one of our Canadian brethren. Appreciate you, Tom. He says, Can't Taylor Rusolini, uh, it's Russelino, right? Rusolino, uh, go as an alternate in the Pro Bowl? Picking up on your joke there, Zach, is this true? Yeah, unfortunately what was it what what was yeah. going on what was he battling i didn't even know he was he sick with the I, I didn't answer i didn't
4: see the cause of death yeah he was young he was like 58 57 something like that i didn't see yeah. the cause of death though hope it wasn't cv uh
3: let's see I'm, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna click on this article real quick it just says dies at 58 tremendous player tremendous man it's just terrible 2020 can really yeah 2020 really is the worst i'm glad to see he got into the to the hall though before he passed of course just a few years ago but let me see i'm not seeing what golly we don't know yet but what a bummer what a bummer yeah um all right let me see there's a question down here john hold on before we grab the next super from uh from bison m that i want to get that i think is apropos bear with me one second i had to scroll up to to find it. Give me one sec. I'm almost there. Almost there. There he is. Wait, no. Nope, wrong one. Bear with me. I'm almost there. Um, right underneath. There he is. Uh, from Bison M. Good to see you, by the way. He says, everyone complains about Drew Locke not checking down. Then when he does and he shows improvement in that area, everyone complains about it being too much. Zach, my message to to. Um, bison and to all the fans out there is you know you can't have it both ways right he's got a point there but the problem that we've seen from drew is the great and i've said this many times is you know game game manager gets thrown out like it's an epithet with regards to quarterbacks like oh kyle orton ditch him he's a game manager well the best quarterbacks in the game are the best game managers and part of what Drew is is still trying to learn to master and balance is managing the game in more ways than one. One of those ways, though, Zach, is balancing, you know, taking what the defense gives you and also putting them on their heels and taking shots and connecting on those shots. What we didn't see in Buffalo or in the Buffalo game is there was no vertical threat whatsoever. He didn't take any shots. And I don't know if that was just him, the way the Bills played him, the play calls. I'm not sure on that yet, but – it did. It had exactly the effect you would expect. The bills crept up, crept up, smothered the box, and it just condensed the underneath, and just made those underneath throws Zach all the much harder to, to complete. So one of the, you know, one of the tricks to the trade is learning how to balance that. And I think Drew has shown again since about week eleven on that he's starting to figure out that balance, but he's not quite there.
4: Yeah, you know, I understand the the uh, premise here. It's damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, he's he's too aggressive, then he's too conservative, but there doesn't have to be an end-all be-all or a black and white or one extreme or the other. He doesn't have to be taking constant deep shots like against the Patriots, but he doesn't have to constantly check it out like it did against Buffalo either, Chad. That's why the Carolina game was the perfect, I think, approach on offense. It was it was high percentage underneath, use the run and set up the long ball and pepper those shots in throughout the game. They took none against the Bills despite it being a negative pass heavy pass-heavy game script the entire time. Not one deep ball for your young quarterback is on the coaching. I don't think that's on Locke. He's following his marching orders from the coaching staff. So it's he's getting the blame. That's what I'm saying before. Everyone's calling for Locke and his development. What about the development of the, the coaching staff,
3: of Pat Shermer, or of Mike Shula? That has to be accounted for as well. Fair point. BG, as we call him, jumping in on Super Chat. MHH Mount Rushmore member here. He says, Jerry Judy needs to learn how to catch and stop flapping his mouth. He dropped another third down pass that hit him in the hit him uh, in there. I think he said should he that hit him in three should he didn't even put a hand on it. I'm not sure that probably some uh, typos there from autocorrect on the phone. But Zach, we did criticize Jerry for the, <clears throat> excuse me for that third down pass uh, during the wrap. I want to say it was rapid reaction, but it might have been the gut reaction where he very clearly it wasn't a perfect pass, but it was there. And he kind of alligator armed it because it was in traffic and he didn't really lay out, which, you know, we don't know the exact psychology that went into that for Jerry because I don't want to – I'm not going to impugn uh, his toughness or any of that because my dude showed some serious heart just the previous week. Again, trucking downfield to tackle a guy that's 100 pounds heavier than him.
4: Yeah, and it's – If you get your hands on the ball, you got to catch it. And that's the golden rule for a receiver. And you know what, Chad? If he didn't have those struggles earlier in the year, I would chalk it up to being the exception but not the rule. But he was dropping a lot of passes early this season. And then he was complaining about not getting passes thrown his way. Well, maybe that's the reason why. Maybe that's the reason why Locke doesn't look to him is because he can't rely on him. So, yeah, it wasn't a perfect ball, it wasn't traffic, but you're a first round wide receiver, the number 15 overall pick. If the ball is anywhere in your vicinity, you have to catch it. Help out your young quarterback, and your quarterback will reward you going forward.
3: Uh CC points out CD Lamb uh is top five in drops. I don't see him mentioned here. You know, one th- one big difference between CD and uh Drew is he's just been CD has been much more of a focus of that offense in terms of more of a commitment to get him touches. Yes. Vic Fangio talked about that today with Jerry, and I want to get to that. Um, as soon as we grab this super chat from Naj, appreciate you, Naj, and your generosity, my brother, and your support. It just blows us away day in, day out. But he says, brothers, maybe just frustrated, but I feel Locke, Lindsay, Simmons, Reisner, Judy, Johnson, and others have regressed during the season. Fangio, as the coach, has regressed. Three blowouts is no different than the VJ days, sadly. So, yeah, the Broncos this year do have three losses of 25 points or more, but you kind of got to throw out the Saints one. That was a – because, wait, you know, that was, that was one of them. I want to make sure I'm not tripping on that. I think the – am I wrong on that? No, I think it was 25. It was 31-3, wasn't it? Uh, let, me see. Hmm. let me look real quick. I don't want to uh, – let me look. Here's week 12 Broncos. Yeah. 31-3. So yeah. So th- the Saints was one of them. So two, <clears throat> again, that was a game in which the NFL forced the Broncos to all but forfeit, but still two big blowouts. And it, it's ugly, but your thoughts on some of these guys not showing the big steps showing in, at times regression.
4: Well, Naj, thank you for actually mentioning the coaching in terms of regressing or progressing forward. It's always the players while well, the coaching is, is added as well. And Fangio He's the ringleader. I mean, he's involved in the entire team, not just defense, but the offense as well. Special teams, they all report to him. So, uh, when he gets credit, he also gets the blame when they lose. It, it, most of the players who have regressed this season is on the offensive side. If you look at that trend and the offensive side is led by a coach that Fangio hired in Pat Shermer. So it all, all kind of goes back to that. Let me just add about CD Lamb though. I know this is, you know, a weird segue. He's, Dropping more passes, but getting a lot more targets. And if you watch a Cowboys game, like, like Chad mentioned perfectly, Kellen Moore craps all over Pat Shermer as a play caller. He has more imagination in a pinky finger than Shermer has in the entire body. So they're, they're constantly getting CD lamb, the ball in his hands. And that's how they should have used Jerry Judy. That's how they should have used KJ Hamler. They have two premium receivers and they're wasting both of them. I can't put that
3: on the players, Chad. I mean it takes two to tango and unfortunately <clears throat> usually the way it works with sub 500 teams is there's plenty of blame to go around you can point the finger at players lack of execution lack of you know taking to the coaching or buying in and then of course lack of lack of execution on the coaching side in terms of especially the Xs and Os and in this case I think it's it's appropriate to criticize the coaches as much as you might criticize the players I agree with you But I want to grab this before I forget. Sometimes we have a topic we want to get to, and then we dive into the stream, and we get lost because it's so much fun. But I want to come back to a couple things Fangio said here today that are are noteworthy. First and foremost, Zach, we had the article that went up yesterday at milehighhuddle.com, Broncos fans coming out of that Bills game, calling for the heads of John Elway, Vic Fangio. Throw in Pat Pat Shermer. Excuse me one sec. Throw in – Drew Locke as well. And so, understandably, you know, Fangio did not meet with the media on Sunday, but he did today. And so he was asked, and it was kind of um, postured and, and set up in a way to say, hey, have you talked with Elway about your job security? Are you coming back in 2021? And here's what he said, quote, yeah, John and I talk often, and I believe we're all on the same page there. I see no issues there, close quote, meaning yeah, I'm coming back in 2021. That's, that's not a question. And Zach, based on everyone I've talked to and, and the calls I've made and, and what I've heard, there is no plan for John Elway to move off of Vic Fangio as the head coach.
4: Yeah. And, and certainly, you know, we can't put anything past Elway and things can change if, you know, the, the games make it ugly last couple of weeks, but it's pretty cut and dry there. He's pretty to the point and succinct, no problems there, no issues. And, uh, I can only know
3: what I tell you, and that's what I know. All right. I want to get to the Drew Locke things. So just last week when Fangio was asked about Drew coming out of the Carolina game and, hey, was that the game that solidified his place as as the guy in 2021, Fangio got a lot closer to saying yes then than he did here. And what he said last week was something to the effect of, you know, hey, it's all part of the evaluation process is still continuing. But we have committed a lot to Drew, and we expect him to continue to develop and improve, and we're confident that he will. All right, That's kind of the uh, paraphrase of what Vic Fangio said about Drew last week. Well, let's flash forward to today on what he wants to see, Vic, from Drew Locke in the last two weeks of the season. Quote, I just want to see – in other words, what does Drew have to do? The the way the question was actually posed, Zach, is what does Drew have to do to convince you to be the starter next year? Quote, I just want to see winning football. And then he changes the subject. That's all we're here to do is we all have to play good enough to win football games. And that's all three phases. That's all 11 guys that are out there at any given time. We've proven when we play well enough and coach well enough that we can do that. We just need to see it more often. And then he, you know, highlight there, I'll say from everybody is what he's closed. Uh, and then, well, and this was from Troy Rank. So credit to to Troy for kind of you know, doubling down and trying to force Fangio to confront the issue. He said, well, is Drew Locke still being evaluated for next year then, or, you know, what? In other words, kind of tippy-toeing around just saying, so is Drew still auditioning to be the guy next year, or has he already earned that? Quote, we're all being evaluated, players, coaches, everybody. We're just looking for improvement from each and every player individually, each and every unit, offensively, defensively, in the various phases of the kicking game. We need to improve, and we want to keep improving. Close Quote, so Zach, it's a big time shift tone, uh, in, in the tone department from Fangio with regard to Drew's outlook.
4: You know what though? I actually like this answer because he's saying it's not all on Drew. And maybe I'm, I'm misreading that or reading too much into it, but he's saying it's a team game, offense, defense, specials. It's not all on the quarterback. And I guess he doesn't subscribe to the theory that quarterbacks, you know, wins are a quarterback stat. It's a team stat. It's a coaching stat. I actually like what he's saying here. If that's what the message he's trying to infer is it's not all on Drew. We all have to be better. We have to help him out. He can't do it himself. He's not the one blowing tackles on defense. He's not the one calling the plays. We all have to be better. If that's what he's saying, I like the answer.
3: Shout out to you, Seth. Appreciate that super chat, my friend. He says, I'm. Uh, we're glad to hear that you're enjoying this podcast. Appreciate you. Make sure you connect with us on uh, social media, on Twitter. So here's something interesting because, you know, Bison just brought it up. It's, it's brought up in every single podcast, the notion that, you know, Drew Locke has regressed in 2020. And while I think there have been points in this season, Zach, where he did show concerning regression, I maintain, even that with two of these games being losses, that from week 11 to now, he has taken great strides in many different departments, many ways. Mm -hmm. And Fangio was asked today, it was kind of posed to him like this, hey, man, you know, you going into the, to week 13, so that was the Chiefs game. The Broncos, one of the worst teams in the league, red zone offense. I mean, putrid. In fact, I, I want to say they were either 32 or 31
2: ranked. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. In
3: each of Denver's last seven trips into the red zone, they've gotten touchdowns. They're a perfect seven for seven in their last seven trips. What does that say about the offense? Does that mean Drew's on the right track? Does that mean he's improving? Here's what he said, quote, Fangio here, quote, that's definitely something to build off. As we all know, we started off not as well in the red zone during the season, but as you noted, it's been better of late, and that needs to continue, and I think that indicates growth. One of the true ways people measure quarterbacks at times is in the red zone and on third down. We've been much better in the red zone of late. Now we've run the ball too, which has helped, and made some plays running the ball. We've had some different run pass options with Drew down there, which he executed very well. It definitely does indicate some growing. I'll I'll fix that grammar. Some growth and some improvement in that area. That's vital for us to keep improving. Close quote. Zach, so Fangio... It wasn't all kind of ambivalence. It wasn't all kind of, you know, negative tone, dismissive tone. He did credit Drew Locke showing some improvement in different areas, but I think that the takeaway here is they need to see it. We love you too, Bison. We need to see it more consistently. And the translation there was the play calling is better in the red zone. And
4: everything works. The run pass options, the running game works. It sets up Drew. It it's not rocket science, Chad. It's really not that difficult. Run the ball. Uh, get your your offense in a rhythm, get your quarterback some confidence, and take those those deep shots over the top, and you can have success. And they do that in the red zone. And there were times, Chad, where they couldn't score one time in a red zone in a game. And now they're three straight games, 100%. It is growth. It is improvement. It doesn't exonerate Locke's mistakes. It doesn't make him the guy for next year. But there has been tangible steps he's taken forward this year, whether you guys want to admit that or not. The Locke haters, I should say.
3: For what it's worth, when... Uh, Vic was asked about this. Was earlier in the day, maybe he had a little bit of a preview or premonition or some insider info, but he was asked about the Pro Bowl and who deserves it, and he landed only on Simmons, Chubb, and Bowles. And even though he said there were others too that you know should be considered, but those were the three names he mentioned. And of course, two of them got it, Bowles didn't. And everyone is still very, very surprised that Bowles got snubbed. Let's grab Dave from Georgia. Good to see you, my friend, a superstar. It's also been cool to connect with you on Twitter. My, my friend, he says, some of us have pre- patience with Drew since the beginning of the year. I still feel that that is the path to take. We need to address our cornerbacks and inside linebacker, hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Yeah, guys, as I mentioned yesterday, the day before, and then also last week, I have my outlook on Drew has not changed. If you're going to keep Fangio, then you keep Drew. If you're going to ditch Fangio, then then and you want to do a restart at quarterback, fine. You know, let a head coach come in and pick his own guy. But if you're going to keep Fangio, keep Drew because I think that Drew is, you know, he's he's showing improvement down the stretch after what has been just a brutal war of attrition. Broncos battling, you know, uh, the virus; they're battling uh, injury bug, and they're battling the NFL. Three different fronts. Not not fair. Not you know. But the NFL is, you know it's it's a man's league, and life's not fair, right? Nevertheless, Drew Locke has shown improvement in the face of some serious adversity. And while it's still nowhere near where you want it to be in a perfect world, Zach, I think the Broncos, you know, with all the TLC, the time, the investment they made in Drew up to this point, I think they would be remiss to just suddenly kick that to the curb and do a restart at quarterback. Give him the OTAs, give him a real offseason, real training camp, real preseason with the same coach for two years in a row. This is still my position with Shermer and see what happens.
4: It's disputable to say that Locke isn't the guy or he can't be the guy going forward. It's indisputable to say that quarterback, if you're not sold on him is the only position they need this off season. Cause Dave, you're spot on. They need cornerbacks. They can use a safety. uh, They can use inside linebackers, maybe a defensive end. If uh Shelby leaves and Gerald Casey gets cut, they have holes throughout the roster, not just potentially a quarterback. And let me just say this. I tweeted this today. If, What scares me the most, what I'm most uncomfortable with, is delivering Trey Lance or Zach Wilson to Pat Shermer of all people. So I'm of the mind that if Drew goes, Pat Shermer has to go as well. If you have a new offense anyway, you have a new quarterback coming anyway, what's the difference? So it's got to be some sort of package deal. I can see a scenario where, okay, well, if Locke isn't deemed the guy, if he's just going to be in a a competition— then get rid of Pat as well. If you have your, your sight set on a blue chip quarterback, I don't want that guy molded by Pat Schirmer. That's my point.
3: All right, let's grab Joe Valdez. Good to see you again, my friend really appreciate you becoming a, a superstar. He says, would you put Mike Shula at offensive coordinator and move Pat Schirmer to QBs coach? You know, yeah. there's in theory, yeah, there's a lot of different things you can do, but it just NFL teams don't do that typically. Typically, if there's a change at OC, it's the quarterback's coach that gets promoted. All right. He gets to become the, uh, the the play caller. I mean, look what happened, for example, when Mike McCoy got ditched midway through 2017 and went to Bill Musgrave, the quarterback's coach who went on to uh, finish that year as interim OC and then he got the official OC title the next year. It didn't work out for him, but that's typically the way it works. Now, we spitballed this yesterday. John made a clip video of us discussing the idea of, hey, what do the Broncos have to lose? and giving Mike Shula a chance to call these last two games. But I just don't think, as I, as I said yesterday, it's not going to happen so long as you're keeping Pat Shermer on staff. Otherwise, you're completely emasculating him, cutting him from the knees, and it just it doesn't work that way in the league. And also, as OC, part of Pat Shermer's
4: job responsibilities is being a quarterback's coach, and he was hired in part because he's a supposed quarterback guru. Well, how's that working out? So, no, I, I, if they're going to move on from him as play caller, I don't want him around Locke or another young quarterback. If they're going to move on, get him out of the building because it's an abject failure.
3: All right, let me see what else we got here. We got Kenneth Booker again. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you. He says, Kevin Green, um, Kirkland, and Lloyd, my top five linebacker core. Yeah, they were good in their day, man, for the Steelers. That was legit. Um, there's a really cool anecdote from the I wanna say it was the ninety-seven season. Um, if you any of you who've watched America's Game, you know, the NFL Network, NFL Films um coverage of the Broncos Super Bowl season, Super Bowl thirty two, there's that point where um I wanna say it was Howard Griffith, the the fullback, is being tasked with ISO blocking Kirtland, who was at the time Kirkland was you know, as good as he got in terms of inside linebackers, but he was just a beast of a man in terms of size. Like I want to say he was two sixty inside linebacker, which is very, very large to say the least. And yeah, that was a legendary trio top five linebacker core um, all time. Maybe, you know, in terms of the core itself, they're not saying those are, he's not saying those are the th- three guys in his top five, but as a core maybe, but yeah, Kevin green, RIP man. Uh, what a legend. Yeah. They don't make him like that anymore. For sure, RAP. Very sad. Uh, Tom El Greco jumping in again. Thank you, bro. He says, you guys think Drew Locke can adjust to a new OC if we had a full spring training camp and OTAs? Thanks, guys. So, let, so in other words, if the Broncos did fire Pat Shermer, but they're keeping Drew and bring in a guy, would that work out? Do you think having that off-season time would put him in a better position? Because I think that if you're going to fire him, okay, um, that's the one, that's one of the ways you convince yourself to do it is you're like, well, Hey, at least we know this year we're going to have, co- we're going to have virus protocols and everything, but we know we're going to be able to have OTAs. Cause remember when OTAs rolled around in, uh, in May and June, there was still next to nothing known about the virus. The NFL and all pro teams were completely just knocked over, frightened, terrified, closed it all down, right? NBA stopped their season. MLB stopped, uh, colleges stopped, everything just stopped this time around. Even though it's still probably going to be a factor, the virus. By the time we get to OTAs in May, you know, you might have the um, you might have the vaccine and all that that starts eating into that and opening things up. But teams go, hey, we know at least we're going to have some kind of an on-field OTA process because we've mastered the protocols during this season, and so maybe I can convince myself then to go out and find a new offensive coordinator because Pat Schirmer's not getting it done, Drew would at least get those reps.
4: Yeah, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that reps don't, Helped or not beneficial, but it's it's not really that. It's having the right coach and the right coordinator for a lock and his skill set. Look at Kevin Stefanski this season with the Browns. He he lost out on those reps as well. And Baker Mayfield's playing great. Look at uh, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Lost out on those reps, and he was playing well before his injury. It, it's really not even Matt Rule and Joe Brady in Carolina. They're not a powerhouse offense by any means with Teddy Bridgewaters, but they can you know they can score some points. It, it's really not the timing or the reps or anything else. If Locke gets the right coaching for his skill set, he will
3: succeed. It's it's that's the bottom line. All right, guys. So I want to show you something. We're getting really close to winding it down. We got to go. Thank you, Thomas Servo, for that super chat, my friend. Really does mean a lot to us. Thank you. Make sure you connect with us on Twitter because you're a name that we don't recognize. So reach out, connect with us, and welcome and stick around. We we want to see you day in and day out. But here's a window into for those of you that are going, well, why did Bradley Chubb? Make the Pro Bowl. He's only got seven and a half sacks, right? He didn't even have a sack in the first three games. Well, this is PFF, okay? Most pressures and pressures include QB hits, QB pre- uh, pressures, so where you move them off their spot and uh, and actual so hit so excuse me hits, hurries, and sacks is what is what totals uh, pressures. As so you can see over here, Chubb leads the NFL. He's tied. Who's got the tie with him? So Trey Hendrickson of New Orleans is tied with him but the, they they have 47 pressures each of them. And so even though Chubb's only gotten home on seven and a half of those in terms of bringing him down, it's affected the game. And the the way you know it's affected the game, Zach, is that his peers are like, "Oh, time to vote Pro Bowl. Dang that right. Chubb, man. He was he was a monster. He was a we had to deal with him, you know, constant pressure. I'm going to vote for Chubb." So even though the, it's not huge sack numbers, it's still being very productive and affecting the game, as you can see here. Zach is illustrated by the total pressures.
4: There's a lot of NFL cliches out there that are just empty words and cliches and fun to say, but pressure is production, is actually legit, and it's the truth. And uh Chubb, his sack totals might not be astronomical, you know, pun intended, but his pressure is always there. He's good against nice. the run. He's always around the quarterback. He's really a well-rounded, complete outside linebacker in the mold of Von Miller. And it's funny, though, as an aside, Trey Hendrickson, anyone who watched the Chiefs game, he was owning Eric Fisher. Uh, They they sacked Mahomes like four or five times, and it's funny that Fisher made it over Garrett Bowles,
3: but my argument rests. PFF has Hendrickson credited with 13 sacks. Now, it could be 13 on the nose, or it could actually be NFL, because PFF doesn't do half sacks. So if you get a half sack, they still just give you the sack. So that could be 12 and a half or it could be 13, but uh, 13 sacks for him. And uh, Chubb, they have him credited with eight, even though the NFL's version, of course, is seven and a half. So, all right, guys, we're about out of time. Let's grab Scott Rinaldi. Good to see you, my friend. Scott, are you on Twitter? For some reason, I thought we had connected on Twitter. And then last night, or might have been the day before, I'm trying to find you to tag you. Couldn't find you. So if you are, mention it. Tell us who you are. We'll follow back, and maybe we're already following, but remind us who you are, because sometimes the handles don't match YouTube or uh, Twitter. So anyway, appreciate you, bro. He says, stay the course, keep developing lock, add more pieces this offseason. Keep the coaches. We need consistency and continuity for once. Patience, Broncos country. Zach, do you think that's a pill Broncos fans are, are willing to swallow after the you know the, the depredations of post-Super Bowl 50?
4: Well, I'm not willing to swallow retaining all the coaches. You know, there's got to be some sort of accountability. Someone has to fall on the sword, and I'm not saying fire someone for the sake of firing them, but uh, Tom McMahon has earned his pink slip, and Pat Shermer might have earned his pink slip, and, and Mike Shula. So I agree with the premise, you know, go into next season, maintain most of the coaching staff, give Locke a chance, and uh and keep building around him. But you got to make some changes, Chad. You have to show the players in the locker room that if you don't, Us too, coaches. You know, if we don't perform up to task, we will replace ourselves. We will get fired as well for the betterment of the team. So they have to make some changes there, at least one or two.
3: Uh, Mark Anthony Ignacio jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. Also, if you're on Twitter, my friend, check and uh, check in with us and, and reach out. Appreciate you. He says, Thoughts on the notion that problematic play calling is due to a lack of understanding from Drew? All right. In other words, Drew's football IQ. I know y'all opinion on Shermer, but his OC resume is consistent. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons I was happy with the hire of Pat Shermer. is he does have a legitimate resume. Now, it's not every single year, you know, he's not leading the league offensively every single year, but he's had successes at virtually every stop outside of the Giants where he was also the head coach, of course. So he had success, maybe not also in Cleveland, he didn't have success as the head coach there, but he had success in Minnesota, which got him the Giants job. He had success in Philadelphia twice, once under Reed and another time under Chip Kelly. Yeah, I'm, I'm missing one. St. Louis, hmm, I guess he did preside over the pivot point for Sam Bradford finally turning the corner. So he does have measurable successes on his resume, Zach, and he was voted the AP Assistant Coach of the Year in 2017. But what's your answer here for Mark?
4: He was also fired twice from the Browns and the Giants. I mean, and, and Mark, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. You I, I believe you're more of a of a lock, you know, critic or a lock detractor, but how is it that Rich Scangarello, a rookie coordinator who was 40 years old, came in and had a four and one record with Drew Locke and he was calling plays in tune with his coaching style and had his pack Shermer being fifty-eight years old, and he has way more experience and way more play calling, you know, um feathers in his cap than Scangarello. How come he's looked like a totally different quarterback? Again, it's not solely Locke. It's not solely the coaching. But I, I, I think it's fairly indisputable to say that Shermer and Shula, and to an extent Fangio, for harboring it, the coaches have failed the young quarterback. That's my opinion on that.
3: All right. Um, yeah, as far as Drew's football IQ, uh, and by the way, Kevin Smith, shout out to you, my friend. Appreciate that super chat. Uh, Love your movies. up to you. I know this is not going to be a very easy holiday season for you with um, what you've gone through and with your family and whatnot. So much love and 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 thoughts and prayers up to you, my friend. We appreciate your support and we love that profile pick, dude. That's legit. Let me just for uh gigs here, Levon Kirkland. I want to see what his playing weight was. 275. Goodness gracious. That's what, that's what uh howard griffith was talking about anyway all right let me see where we're at josiah gerard jumping in a name we don't recognize zach so welcome Welcome. thank you josiah appreciate that support and make sure you connect with us on twitter and keep coming back dog and you know we're late we're over the one hour mark so we don't have time to to get to everything here um it's all good but uh but keep coming back all right are we Caught up, John? This this is just a good point I want to throw
4: out there real quick. Skangarello now is a senior uh, assistant or senior consultant with the Eagles and anyone who's watched Jalen Hurts lately, another young quarterback, his development has been just quick ascending. So maybe there was something there with Skangarello and I'm one of the few who said it when he was fired, you should give him a second chance. He did a lot of good things last year.
3: Yeah, for whatever Skang's lacked as a tactician, you know as an ex as a nose guy, and I know that there were times Fangio really was frustrated with his play calling. But he was a first-year coordinator. He was learning on the job in that sense, very much so. Even though he had experience in college—not major-level college, but still college—several years as an OC and as a play caller. You know, the NFL is a different animal. But for whatever he lacked as as a tactician, Zach, he more than made up for as a teacher and developer. I mean, the proof was yes. in that pudding uh, of quarterbacks. Kenneth Booker, again, love you, buddy. He says long shot, but I think Denver should talk to CU's. Uh, Shiver- yeah, John's all stoked about this. Uh. CU's, uh <laughs> I forget how to pronounce this dude's name. Shabarini, Shabarini right? Shabarini. Uh, as the offensive coordinator. All right, good. He He's a creative mind and gets the most out of mid-range talent. Man, that would just crush the souls of uh, Buffs country because, well, so many of them are also Broncos fans, but it'd probably be bittersweet. I don't know, John. You tell me, dude. Um, he's like, yeah. Uh, Josiah, appreciate you, my friend. Drew Locke could really use Matt Stafford. I think he could use like a mentor that's been in the league because Shermer and Shula, they're mentors, but they're coaches. Like they never live bullet NFL played the game at the highest level quarterback. He could use that.
4: So you mean to tell me, not you, Chad, specifically, but the, the entire uh, sect of the fan base who wants Stafford, you want a, a quarterback who's been inconsistent, and and as you guys say, injury-prone like Drew Locke, you want him to learn behind an actual inconsistent injury-prone quarterback in Matt Stafford. I don't see it as an ideal pairing. If they bring Stafford in, it's not going to be as a backup. It's yeah. going to be as a starter. Yeah. So you can't have it both ways. If they bring in a veteran, it's to mentor Locke, or they can go the rookie round and bring in, you know, a first round pick. But Stafford, if he comes here, he is not being the Flacco to lock. He's being the understood quarterback for Denver.
3: Yeah, and when I say bringing someone in, I wasn't necessarily speaking specifically to Stafford because it doesn't. It, you bring Stafford in to be the guy. Period. End of story. So, but I just mean a veteran guy who's who's played in the league, who's started games. With Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, guys like that. All right, last oh, yeah. one that we got we got to dip out here, Mark. Thank you for jumping back in. Appreciate your support, my friend. He says Drew's sixteen game stats are okay, and the last three showed some growth, but not enough to argue for him long term. His awesome personality allows for leeway on the field for fans and myself. Consistency, <coughs> excuse me, needed, not flash. And so, for what it's worth, I'll pull this up, uh, and you guys can see where Drew sits on his uh, full full sixteen games. But let's remember. One of those 16 starts, he played half of a, of the first quarter, and then uh, you know the Steelers knocked him out of the game. So it's really actually 15 in in terms of um, his his time spent on the field. But let me just show you this real quick, and then we got to go. Drew Locke's stats as a 16 game guy, he's eight and eight as a starter over those games. Career, so imagine this was he started every game as a rookie. This is what his numbers would have been: eight and eight, three thousand three hundred fifty yards. 60% completion, 21 touchdowns, Zach, 16 picks. That's about what – I mean, let me tell you something. Most NFL front offices, if they got that production out of their first-round pick, okay, their first-round pick in their first 16 games, they would be so stoked and fit to be tied, especially, Zach, a team rebuilding. So, again, it's, right. it's all about perspective, guys, and why right. the Broncos do not have the same – alarmed panicked tonality on this subject as so many of the fans and media do exactly and they don't really look at the
4: numbers they all want instant success and they all want it's like those it's instant rice chad versus actually taking the rice out and boiling and you know making hot water they want to just pop it in the microwave and be done with it That's not how you make a quarterback in the NFL. There's no instant quarterback, except for Mahomes. And I know he's in the division. I know they they play the Chiefs twice a year, and it sucks. But Mahomes, like Chad says, is the unicorn. He is the ultimate exception to the rule. Any other young quarterback, be it Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen this year, it takes time. It takes a long time to get to where they want to be. But this is all the path I think the Broncos envisioned. It was never going to be pretty. He was never going to have historic numbers huge numbers it was always going to be with faults and lows and and bumps and mistakes that is part of the process but the broncos realize that process has to play out whether the fan base wants it or not it's just crucial to developing a
3: quarterback in this day and age there's no way around it all right guys we got to go thank you to each and every one of you for spending some time with us tonight Make sure you connect with us on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod and the main account at MileHighHuddle. And then my partner, Zach Kelberman, at KelbermanNFL. Myself, at Chad N. Jensen. And then our producer, at John K. MHH. You all know him as Buona Beast, of course. Another gentle reminder, gang, check out the merch store, HuddleUpPod.com. Get your swag on. And another gentle reminder as well, share this, like this video, key on YouTube, key on Facebook, seriously. If you don't like this video every time you're watching it, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube, you cut us to the core. It hurts us, right? So like this video, share it out there. If we did a good job, share it out there. Um, And then the last thing is I want to see you guys at milehighhuddle.com. I want to see you commenting. We want these takes and all this passion and this energy on the site. Every article I publish, every article Zach publishes, all the guys, we want your takes on the very topics we're talking about. You know, we share a take reporting the news that Fangio said X, Y, or Z, we report that news, then we might offer a little insight at the end. We want your insight on that same thing. Are we wrong? Are we right? Uh, do you agree? If so, why? If you disagree, why? We want that. So go to com and sound off, join the community. So many of you have, and and props to those of you who have, but more of you can, and we need you there. And Muhammad jumping in the last second with this super sticker, MHH mill model. Love you, buddy. Good to see you. Thank you, you Um But yeah, we we've got to go. So Zach, we're we're off. Of course, tomorrow night we'll be building the Broncos, but we'll be back Wednesday night. So stay tuned for that. And then Thursday night, of course, is Christmas Eve. So that's um, Zach and I will discuss exactly what our plan is going to be for that night. Um, But if we end up changing the programming for Thursday or and or Friday, we'll find a way to make it up to you. But in the meantime, Zach, have a great start to your week, my brother. Send us off. Uh, in style
4: yeah for anyone who may be traveling between now and wednesday we will catch you when we catch you please have a very merry christmas happy holiday stay safe out there and uh as always guys go broncos
2: you've been listening to the huddle up podcast join broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going